0: Welcome into one-on-one New York's longest running sports call-in show, Alex Boltz, Ryan Gregg, we're now pleased to be joined by a former race car driver, the first African-American man to test both a Formula One car and compete in the Indy 500, and he's coming off racing in the 2021, the inaugural Superstar Racing Series, it's Willie T. Ribbs. Willie, thank you so much for being here, how are you? All right, young man, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being here, Willie. We really appreciate it. And I wanted to ask... You're
1: you're in New York, right?
0: I'm in New York. Right now I'm in Jersey, but we do go to school, yeah, in the Bronx. So right now I'm in Jersey. Where are you at right now?
1: I'm down in Texas. Down in Texas. Nice. So We we never go to bed
0: here. (laughs) Well, they call New York the city that never sleeps. So I guess you have his beat then. But I wanted to start by asking a little bit about the, uh, the Superstar Racing Series, because you've spent some time since retiring, driving here and there. But this was really a kind of a just a, a comeback event for you in a lot of ways with a lot of other professional drivers. And what was it like for you just getting back on the track again? And how was that series?
1: Well, I mean, I, I realize why other sports athletes retire. You know, there, there, there's a certain time when you got to go out to pasture. And when you go out to pasture, two things happen. You either stud or you're glue and dog food, so you know i i I wasn't doing a whole lot of studding, but I didn't get into uh, I, I I didn't turn into dog food either you just things are not as uh, you you you're not young anymore you you go out there and you lose you've lost uh as they say, in uh, on a ranch, you've lost some feathers. So, um, I, I it was fun to get back racing again. Racing's always fun, no matter what age you are. You're just not as fast. <laughs> That's just the <laughs> way it is. But I but it was a ball. It was a great. It was a great show for the fans because it had. Uh, men like myself and Bill Elliott and Waltrip racing against each other because we were close to the same age. Then they had the young kids, your you boys' age, <laughs> racing against each other. Ernie Francis and Luke uh, uh, Finnhouse and and uh, Haley Haley Deegan. They were all your age. And then you had in between. You had Canon, Castro Nevis, Tony Stewart, Paul Tracy. So we had. Uh, we had uh, four uh, four different decades of drivers in there. Wow. And the young ones, um, they are climbing up the mountain. See, we've already been to the top of the mountain. we're all, we're walking down, right? Yeah. We're making tracks down down the mountain. They're uh, aggressively going up that hill, and they sure drove like it too, because they were mm-hmm. they were they were beating all over us, old guys.
2: Uh, thanks again so much for joining us, Willie. Uh, you know, you just mentioned the, the thing about the series that was so unique was the combination of young drivers, as you mentioned, veteran drivers. Just wondering, how would you compare your style of driving with them? How do you think, you know, racing has changed over the years? You know, you see it now. Obviously, your decade spanned over six or your career spanned over six decades. Quite an accomplishment. How have you seen racing change over those years? Well,
1: there's more technology now. And when 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 we were beginning, you know, y- y- your your ass uh, that was sitting in that seat was telemetry. Your your butt was the computer, right? And now these kids have simulators to practice with. They can they can simulate the the places they're going to race ahead of time, and they they can get more up to speed quicker than than in our day because we went out and we did it the old school way you practice. And then, you know, everything was uh, pen and paper. Well, now it's all laptop and, 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 uh, and data driven. Uh, in terms of aggressiveness, it's the same. They're, they're just, these kids, they're, they're, they're out and they'll bang with you yeah. and uh, In the old days, I don't know if we would bang with the older drivers the way they do now, but these young kids, they they ain't worried about a damn thing. And you mentioned a little bit about you've been in the
0: sport for over six decades now, and I wanted to talk about when you first got into racing. You said that when you grew up, you you know, your dad was a racer and used to drive cars on the highway, always with that goal of becoming a professional driver. So what kind of sparked your interest in getting into racing in the first place and, you know, spending so much time within it?
1: Well, my dad raced. He raced motorcycle. He raced flat track uh, before I was born. And then after I was born, he started racing cars. And all his friends were racetracks. Joe Leonard was one of his best friends. Joe Leonard was eight-time national motorcycle flat track champion, two-time IndyCar champion. And so, I mean, there was really no, I didn't want to work in the family business. And so, you know, I grew up, driving early and you know I drew drove uh on my grandpa's ranch my grandpa had a 300 acre ranch so I started driving his farm equipment on the ranch at high speed as fast as they would go I mean now harvester combines that thrash wheat and barley <laughs> they don't go that fast but I was trying to make them go fast as I could and and and, and uh and and uh, harvest the field as fast as I could I would time it how fast I could get down, make the corner, come back, down, make the corner, come back. Same with everything. Everything I drove, I drove because it was a challenge to do it good and to be fast and not make mistakes.
2: Yeah. And so clearly racing's in your DNA. You know, you talked about how you started at such a young point. I'm wondering, was there ever a moment that you maybe you doubted yourself, you turned away. And then if so, like, how are you able to overcome any doubts you ever had if this was kind of for you and everything like that?
1: Well, Bobby Unser used to say to me, he says, you have dealt with and deal with more than any driver because despite the challenges on a racetrack are tough enough, but you were dealing with a challenge because you're a driver of color, you are a pioneer, but none of it ever did, I never got deterred. I never thought that I was not gonna make it to the top of the sport, not one time. One, because I had everything, there were messages you get, no matter who you are and what career you're you're, uh, uh, seeking out. There's things that happen along the way that move you along and there was individuals that came into my career, Jim Truman, for example, Paul Newman, Gurney, Cosby, they all came along to push me up, up the hill. And so that's always motivating. And in anyone's career, no matter what you do, you're going to find those individuals think that you're talented, that believe in you, that pretty much went down the same trail that you're trying to go down. So you don't quit. And that's what I tell all these young kids. Don't, don't cry, don't feel sad, don't get depressed. Cause that is a recipe for disaster. It ain't gonna happen. You've got to be tough like uh tough like cowhide.
0: And you, you mentioned a lot of the challenges that you face in your career, and, and you also mentioned the word pioneer, which is so interesting, because the last time you were on our show about a year ago now, you know, you had been asked if you saw yourself as a pioneer and said that, you know, that wasn't necessarily what you thought, but more of the focus was just on, on winning races. So I'm curious for you, when you think about during your career, how was that being able to stay focused on just winning races and succeeding on the racetrack with everything that was going on outside of it?
1: Well, when you're doing it, when you're in battle, you don't think you're a pioneer until... <laughs> Until yes. until your career is over and you pull a bunch of arrows out of your ass, mm. right? Mm. So, uh, and and young men, I'm very unfiltered, so I want you to know that I'm old school. Grew up on a ranch. Man who raised me was born in 1899. My grandpa, along with my dad and uncle. But um, you you. Um, you, you, in hindsight, after it's all over, you can be, you can be very introspective about everything that happened and, and, and timelines. And you look at, I got pictures all over my wall in my man cave, and you can look at the timeline from the time I was in England, you know, from the time I was racing in, in Trans Am and then IMSA and then IndyCar and then, and, and now SRX and you go down this timeline and you appreciate your tenacity you appreciate the the for the foresight that you put into it from the start and um, but in my case you know uh, I was I was different and you know I overcame I overcame the obstacles and I enjoyed it actually a lot of people, you know, you hear them and they're sort of tears in their eyes and oh, you know, it was tough. Or, Hell no, man! I'll do that all over again, a thousand times, and I'm going to kick some ass along the way, which I did, and it wasn't appreciated.
2: Yeah, uh, I love that mentality there. Um, I'm just wondering your perspective on this because obviously. The conversation surrounding diversity in racing. We saw it kind of reach a fever pitch with you know the Bubba Wallace situation just about a year ago. Do you think enough strides have been made kind of in the sport and everything to bring more people of color into it since you since your career has kind of spanned here?
1: That responsibility is up to corporate America. It's up to Chevrolet and General Motors. It's up to Ford Motor Company. It's up to all the manufacturers who sell billions of dollars to uh, people of color who make billions of dollars. They make billions. What are you giving back? What are you doing to make the sport of auto racing, which features your brand, better? What are you doing? And they've done very little. Totally. It's on their shoulders. If you don't see that, if you don't see diversity in the sport, point right to the sponsors of the sport. That's where the finger goes right at you.
0: And you mentioned a lot about the challenges and the strides that have been made in the sport. And, and a lot of that's compiled in your documentary, Uppity, which is on Netflix. It's been on there for a year now. And you came on the show again last time when it came out. And it's been, you know, a three-year process of filming it. Now it's been out there for a year since. And just when you look at how the documentary has grown and the staying power that it's had, what is just your overall impression of just what people have taken away from it and how you've enjoyed kind of the reception to it?
1: The, the messages I've gotten from young kids your age. Sure, yeah. Worldwide. And the message, the general message was, um, you show me that I have no excuse to fail. That was the general message. I mean, uh, one young lady came to me, she had tears in her eyes and she says, you know, I've faced a lot of obstacles, but I could, I, you gave me the motivation to pursue and not quit and be tough. Um, and by the way, uh, Uppity on Netflix was number eight in the top twenty Netflix documentary films for last year, and we were one of two sports films, if you want to put it in that category. Guess who number seven was? Michael Jordan's Last Kiss. Hmm. Or, or no, what? No, what was the name of it? Last, last Dance, Dance yeah. right? Yeah. They were number seven. Michael Jordan beat me by one. <laughs> but they spent they spent oh about uh, ten million times more than we spent.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it to be to be right there. First of all, Michael Jordan is is pretty cool. Uh, my my last question here is just you know it's funny to ask because you've done so much. Your career six. Spend six decades. Is there anything else you hope to accomplish? Is there more, you know, out there for you? Or do you think you are now just about done?
1: I want to do what Bezos did just a couple days ago. (laughs) (laughs) Go to space? Yeah. I want to take take a shot at that. I mean, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I'm being put in the position of an ambassador for the sport. And, um, and I'll accept that role, but I, 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 I got, I have to see development. I'm not going to be a, a figurehead for no progress. It's got to happen. And there, there, I know this sport from inside out. I know the business side of it. I know the technical side of it. I was born into it. And uh, I, there's nothing that anyone in corporate America or any, any sanctioning body is going to tell me that I don't already know. So the, the, the sport is struggling right now, all of it, from Formula One to uh, stock car racing to IndyCar, is struggling with a brand to be exciting, right? That's why SRX was so successful. We were exciting as hell. We were as exciting as a wedding night. You know what that is, son, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You ain't been there yet. But anyway, um, that's the excitement that SRX brought. We'll be back. SRX will be back again next year. And uh, I don't know what capacity I will be in involved. I'll be 67 next year. So. Uh, uh, that dog food, I can smell
0: it. <laughs> you mentioned the fire isn't gone though. So we hope to see you back next year. And, and the last thing I wanted to ask you quickly, Willie, was about your son, Theo, um, because he's been doing some professional clay shooting. And that's something that you've taken on in, in your post racing career as well. So just what has it been like working with your son and kind of getting to see his career blossom in a different kind of area? And you kind of rubbing off a little bit on that as well.
1: You know, a lot of people ask me, how come Theo didn't follow in my footsteps? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I told him that he found his his passion shooting a shotgun and competing and from an early age. I mean, he started shooting when he was nine. He started doing small competitions when he was twelve. and you know, then he became junior national champion. and then and then once he became uh, an adult, then he became he was k Cup national champion overall. This is against. 3300 shooters. Wow. Can you imagine racing 3300 guys? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So right now he's training, he's getting ready for his next event. Um you know if you you know theoribs.com he's got uh a a great career in front of him. He's extremely talented and then it gives me I can go out and shoot with him, right? And I can go out and practice with him and it it really is built to bond between us. And more importantly, I know where he's doing. I I know where he's going.
0: Awesome to hear. And Willie, we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for being here. As we mentioned, Willie Tereb is former race car driver, the first man to test the African-American man to test a Formula One car and compete in the Indy 500. And it sounds like you'll be back for a second season of the Superstar Racing Series. So Willie, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it.
1: All right, young man, you boys uh, have a good day and keep up the good work.
0: Thank Thank you. you. We'll be back with more one-on-one right after this.